So this morning is a little different of a service. Uh, it's going to have a different flow. Uh, this is our one chance a year to remind Oakwoodites. Is that what we're called, Oakwoodites? I don't know. Oakwood people. Uh, to remind us of who we are at Oakwood. And if you're new or if you're visiting today, it's also good for you just to get an idea of what a church is and what a church does. And a little bit of this is reporting, but all of it's good for you to know. Uh, We'll be talking through scripture and all of that as we walk through this. But we start with something just very simple. And uh, I need... um, uh, Roger, would you go back to the back there? And my little clicker is on that white thing there. It's, it's back there somewhere. Uh, we'll get that. Go ahead and forward to me one slide, would you? So it's, we're heading into 224. Nothing has changed. I love to stand up here every year and to, uh, inform you that nothing has changed. We're, we're gonna keep doing what we're doing at Oakwood. Hope, oh, thank you, Roger. I hate to ask people to do that. <laughs> Give Roger a hand. <laughs> Curtsy and everything. I love it. Um, yeah, everything gets moved, by the way. I, I mean, it, it's been crazy with Christmas Eve, and then we had the thing last night. I should stop before we get into our talk this morning and just thank everybody that it takes. So let's talk about Christmas Eve. Let's go through that and just thank all the people that helped us. It was great having the family here on this side. Let's give them a hand. Uh, the family that read for us. I was excited to have a real family just up here and doing their thing. And then all of the uh, teens that were involved in the manger scene, let's give them a hand. They did great. Want to thank uh, the O'Neills for letting us use Ridge as baby Jesus. We did have uh, the original baby Jesus who came a little late, uh, was not able to be our baby Jesus, but I talked to mom and dad and I've got him already signed up in 2055. We're going to use him at, at Easter time. So baby Ridge will be Jesus for Easter then. So we'll, we'll make sure we get him in. Uh, but we, that was great. I appreciate the, the O'Neills letting us use their baby for, for that and the Bensons for bringing a live sheep. Thank you, Bensons. Yes. He did pee several times, so... I mean, I mean, after last night, right, we have sheep peeing on the stage and a magician throwing beans and who knows what else on this stage. So, uh, but, uh, let's see who else I want to go through. Abe, I wanted to give Abe mouse specific thanks. Abe was my backstage guy who moved the box, right? Abe and, uh, and Spencer Moore as the angel were working on that. I'm telling you, that was harder than you might think. It was a great idea on paper. And then Jim Bongiorno built that box. And I think Cheryl helped him with all seven lids. Let's thank him for building that. I love having people at Oakwood I can go to and say, Jim, I'm thinking about a seven foot tall box that spins. He's like, no problem. I love that. I have no idea how things get built. But it worked, and it was spectacular. So I'm thankful for that. And then all of our musicians, uh, all the people who sang for us, Phil and Tracy, uh, the Mouse on keyboard, and Meg on keyboard, Rusty was on uh, bass, and Colton was on drums. Let's thank all of them for their hard work. So many things. It takes so many people. I'm probably leaving somebody out. And, and oh, Fran, Fran did all of her costuming. Thank you, Fran. Let's give her a hand for that. Appreciate that. 
just a, a great night. And if you were here at the first service, I, I feel like I owe an apology because it was crazy. We had 400 plus in here. We broke a record. Uh, we had 75 people in the lobby uh, watching on the screen, which I'm sure was not the best experience, but they were here with us. We were packed wall to wall. And uh, the second service wasn't as empty. I was afraid it was only going to be a couple of us at the second service, but we had about 175 at that service. So that was good. It was a great day. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting people. Let's thank you. Let's give you a hand for inviting people. You took that seriously, and uh, it was uh, wonderful, just a wonderful day. And then last night, I want to thank our new Connections team. Let's thank the ladies that serve on the Connections team, Sheila and her team, putting on our first annual New Year's celebration. We had, a, I don't know, 135 or so around tables in here and a wonderful meal. We got fed well. Three types of meats. Sheila knows how to do it right, you know, get, the, get lots of food. And the desserts were spectacular. Amen? Yeah. Anybody go home with visions of a, a donut stick, you know, whatever that was? <laughs> donuts on a, oh man. It's funny because we were all out there looking like, what if I want the bottom donut? What do you do? You can't touch all the donuts. And a guy looked at me and he goes, just cut the bottom donut and pull it around. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I didn't think of that. I, I was thinking I had to eat my way down, but that's okay. That was a, but oh boy, all the, the desserts were wonderful. It was a good night. It was fun. And I should say in the midst of all of that, between Christmas Eve, the women's event, and last night, all the tear down and set up in here, all the people who helped. Would you raise your hand if you helped us move chairs and stuff? Thank you so much to you. It's not an easy job, but it's really a hard job when your pastor's OCD and he really picky about straight lines. And uh, everybody did wonderful putting up with that and making sure that we were here and set up and ready to go. So, so many things to be thankful for. Again, if I forgot something, I apologize, but I, I'm just overwhelmed with the, the, the wonderful turnout, the wonderful things that have happened here. Good things are coming here at Oakwood. Why? Because here's our motto. Let's pray first, and then I'll explain who our, what our motto says. Let's go ahead and silent our hearts and just pray to the Lord. You don't have to say this prayer out loud, but if you could say, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, we do pray that you would be glorified, that everyone hearing this message would be edified, and that Satan would be horrified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've had an ongoing motto that we've had since I got here. It's simply growing a great family, grounded in faith, guided by grace, going in love. Now, I love the all the G's in that. It's kind of easy to remember. I love that kind of a, a motto. It's, it's pithy, it's short, it's sweet, but it really does say a lot about who we are as a church. We're growing a great family. That's the legacy of Pastor Bob's service. We love Pastor Bob. He was here for so many years serving this church from the little building around the corner, bringing us over here. And then uh, Don Holiday came and, and furthered some discipleship. Uh, but we have kept that motto, that first line, because of what Pastor Bob built as a foundation. It's not just church, it's family. And we want to be growing a great family. You'll notice in all my correspondence, that's what I call you, the great family at Oakwood Community Church. And how are we going to do that? Well, we've got to be grounded in the faith. 
I say this every year, but you can't come to Oakwood expecting um, some hot topic or something off the newscast. We're usually in a series where we're walking through scripture verse by verse. If, if a topic comes up while we're preaching through a, a passage, that's great. But we're not just wandering around talking about issues at Oakwood. We are talking about the word of God. What we do here is grounded in faith. Guided by grace, I often refer to that as the hardest part of our motto, the middle part, being guided by grace. That means thinking the best of other people and uh, not talking bad about other people, but extending grace. How long do you have to do that? You keep extending grace. And then it's going in love. It's not enough to come and sit and soak, uh, but then we got to get up and move. And so we're going in love and we're reaching into our community. So many great things I've heard about people inviting people to our Christmas Eve service and people coming and being a part of this and getting to see the great family. I love it when we go, when we get out of our four walls, but that's who we are. That is emblazoned on our wall right out here and it's in front of us every week. That's who we are as a family. And here's our mission. Is that easy to see? Yeah, you can see it. It looks better on that one than it does this one. Our mission is to multiply. Everybody say multiply. You know, multiplication is so much better than addition. Addition's a good thing. One plus one equals two, right? Uh, and then if you add one each time, you know, it's, it's only getting so far. But if, if you change from addition to multiplication, amazing things happen, right? It, it grows exponentially. And so we're, our mission is to multiply Christ-like disciples. Everybody say disciples. That's what we're here for. Multiply Christ-like disciples who are, so let's, Let's describe a Christ-like disciple from the great family of Oakwood. Podcar. Everybody say podcar. P-O-D-C-A-R. That's what the red letters are. That's how you're supposed to know this. You should be able to say this at any time. I think in 2024, I'm just going to have pop quiz day. And I'm just going to start asking random people, what's our mission? What's our motto? And you guys better be ready. And we can maybe get a group discount on a, a tattoo, podcar tattoo. Here's the definition. P, passionate about their God. Everybody say passionate. We hope when you come to Oakwood, we celebrate who God is in worship. We love to do that corporately. Passionate about our God. O is obedient to God's word. Everybody say obedient. It's no good just to be passionate. We need to be surrendered, right? And so we're obedient to God's word. So what is truth? Truth today is so hard to come by. Everybody has their own truth, right? And, and some truths are more valid than other truths. And it's a weird world that we live in that truth is not truth, right? Absolute truth, by the way, is what's true for all people at all times and all locations. That's the definition of absolute truth. So how do you know what absolute truth is? Really simple. Truth is whatever God says on any matter. Amen. If God says it, that's what the truth is. We don't pick and choose. We don't decide what we like and what we don't like about what God says. If God says it, that's absolute truth. All people, all times, all locations. D is dependent. Everybody say dependent. We want to be dependent on God through prayer. As a church family, as Oakwood continues to grow, I pray that we're willing to step out on the limb in faith. It's a scary place to be. Some of you are not risk takers. How many of you are not risk takers? You're like, please don't make me take a risk. All right, I understand. But 
When it comes to faith, it's a good thing for a church to stretch its muscles a little bit. And don't let atrophy sit in. And every once in a while, we step out on that limb and we say, hey, God, we're out there. And if you don't do something, we're in trouble. Dependent upon God through prayer. We ought to be a praying church. C stands for connected. Everybody say connected. Now, I'm excited that we have a new connections team, that they're working on the aspect of People at Oakwood getting to know one another. I don't know about you, but last night you could have missed it. You could have come at eight and watched the, the, the weird guy and, and, and gone home to watch a weird game and, and you could have missed it and said, well, it was good food. It was funny, funny stuff. The purpose, stated purpose of last night was to get people to know one another better. I sat at a table with three couples I hardly ever get to talk with. And I got to, I walked to our connections team afterward last night. I said, we did it. It was a success. Not because of the comedian, not because of the food. It was because we chose time to, to get people together to help them connect. Find out things about people, where they're from, what they do, their families. And, and it's good. We need more of that at Oakwood. Connected to one another. And then the A and the R go together. A stands for authentic. Everybody say authentic. One of the things I love about Oakwood, real people living real life with a real God. It does not mean we're perfect. If you come to Oakwood and, and want a polished, fancy Christianity that's shiny and bright and, and, and it's just, you know, we're not fake. We're not gonna put on pretense. What you see is what you get. Your pastor is your pastor, and I'm just a guy who loves the Lord and loves to talk about him. And the leaders at our church are just uh, people that love God and want to serve him. And so you'll come. You'll come to Oakwood, and you might be afraid to, to say, I've got issues, I've got addictions, or my family is a mess. And you know, what I want to tell you is, welcome to the great family at Oakwood. We've got a past. I don't know about you. I got a past. Anybody else here got a past? Yeah. Guess what? Because of Jesus, our past is in the past. We're moving forward. Not perfect people, but forgiven people that have a God who loves them. And you're not alone. You're not alone. If you come here and you're, you're, you're worried that somebody's going to find you out, might as well just let us know. Because welcome to the family, right? That's who we are. Authentic and relevant are. Everybody say relevant. I want us as a church to be relevant in this world. Again, this is the hardest thing. It gets me all the time to evaluate who is Oakwood. The question we need to ask is if Oakwood shut the doors and never met here again, would anybody in our community miss us? If we were to not be here next week, would anybody notice or care? I'm not saying that the answer is positive to that, but it is something that we need to look at. We want to be relevant. Say it again, relevant, relevant. We want to make a difference. That's who we are. That's our motto and our mission. And then I'm going to give you just a couple quick things. I'm going to bring Pastor Ted up here in just a second. I did this last year. We're going to use the theme of on mission. Since we have a mission statement, we need to ask, are we on mission? What's our mission? The good news is this, it's not about creativeness. Pastor Ted and I are not going to get together and come up with a new mission because God gave us one. Matter of fact, every church in the world has the same mission. What we do looks very different. I've been in churches in inner city Philadelphia. I've been in churches in the jungles of Brazil. I've been in churches in Mexico and in inner city Chicago. I've been in churches all around the world. 
And what they look like is extremely different. I've sat on logs, on dirt floors, and worshiped the Lord with my brothers and sisters in languages I don't know. I, I don't speak their language, but we sure sang together. We sure heard about the same God. So it looks different, but the mission should always be the same. God gave it to us in Matthew 22. It's called the Great Suggestion. Thank you. Making sure if you're listening, it's not the Great Suggestion. We act like it's a good suggestion, but it's not. It's actually a mandate. It's the Great Commission. God said, go into all the world and make disciples. Say make disciples. Make disciples. That's the mission. Every church has the same mission. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. It's the great commission. It actually turns out to be one of the great omissions. Where's the church in America today? Where's our effectiveness? So we need to go back to being on mission. Mission was given by God. What is it? It's not go. I know I, I remind you of that all the time. Every missions conference has a big banner that says, go! And if you read this verse, the go in that verse is no duh. They're in an upper room. By the way, isn't it great that Jesus finally got his room in the inn? That's what it was. It was in the upper room. It was in the guest room of a house. He showed up there before he was born, and they said there, there is no room. But before he died, he went, and they had a room in the house. He got his room, everybody. They were in the inn, in the upper room, and Jesus had to look at them and say, I'm going. And you can't stay here hanging out in the upper room. If you stay here, nothing good's going to happen. So go. Go is no duh, right? I've never had to tell you about 45 minutes after the service, hey, people, go. Nobody's ever sitting there saying, should I stay or should I go? No, you know, go is no duh. I mean, you can hang around, but you just can't stay here. You got to leave. So Jesus said, hey, go. And while you're going, going is no doubt. So since you're going, make disciples. The only imperative in that verse is make disciples. That's what we're told to do. It does not change. It always stays the same for all churches every year, every place. So how? How do we do it? Well, the first thing we got to do is define disciple. If we're going to make disciples, what is a disciple? It's a student. It's a follower of Jesus. Are you all in as a follower of Jesus? A disciple, a student. Those disciples were called to be followers and they had a, uh, a, a leader in Jesus who they needed to follow and watch and listen and learn. Are we following, watching, listening and learning through Jesus, through the word? Understand the process of discipleship. The process of discipleship is lifelong. You don't get a certificate and arrive. It's not like you can go through something and say, oh, okay, I have been discipled. No, none of us ever arrive. Guess what, everybody? We're in a lifelong discipleship process. All of us, I need to be growing. You need to be growing. The elders need to be growing. The deacons need to be growing. All the servants need to be growing. We're all followers. No one has the right to say, I'm done. I've checked that mark. I have been discipled. So understand that it's a process, a lifelong process. So it's intentional. Everybody say intentional. It doesn't happen accidentally. What is the key? The key are three things. Gathering together, growing deep, and going wide. 
First thing you can do is show up. I mean, that's the number one thing for all situations. Just be there. Gather together. And then we need to be growing deep. It's it's no good having a a church, you know, a a mile wide, reaching and reaching and reaching if we're, we're an inch deep. We need to be growing deep in God's word. And then going wide, right? Go into all the world. Make disciples. I'm going to have Pastor Ted come up and just share with you, just from his heart, um, there's no official plans yet. We're, we're just getting started. But I wanted him to talk on this since it's one of his main roles as our ministry's pastor is discipleship. Actually, some of the things that you're going to hear are some of the things that uh, PD just mentioned. So uh, we're right on the same page. <clears throat> and when you're talking about discipleship, uh, it's a big subject. And so I just want to dive in a little bit. And uh, why do I think discipleship is important? Well, it's exactly what PD said. It's from Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them, that's important, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Now, one of the things and one of the reasons why discipleship is so important to me, it's biblical, but secondly, somebody invested in me. If, if, if someone had not invested in me, I would not be here today. I had a youth pastor that spent time with me, invested me. Um, I had a Bible teacher at a Christian school that spent a lot of time investing, sharing the word. And even as an adult, um, the pastor that I worked with and other elders and deacons and men uh, that I had the opportunity to spend time with have poured their lives into me. And so even as a pastor here in Ephesians chapter four, it tells us that one of the main responsibilities of a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so that's one of the things that I really enjoy doing is equipping people and helping them find a niche in ministry to get involved with or a small group, or uh, to get plugged in uh, here at Oakwood. And many of you just recently, PD just went through spiritual gift tests. And I watched some of those videos. I was not here then. And he said he wasn't going to be standing at the door uh, putting you to work. I don't remember exactly how he said it. But as you observed and as you saw some of the spiritual gifts that you have, one of the reasons that you have those is to put those to use. Not just for yourself, but for the body of Christ. To take what God has given you and use it for other people. I want to explain a little bit, what is discipleship? In Christianity, a disciple primarily refers to a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. A disciple in the ancient biblical world actively imitated both the life and teaching of the master. It was a deliberate apprenticeship which made the fully formed disciple a living copy of the master. So the term disciple represents the Greek word mathetes, which generally means one who engages in learning through instruction from another, a pupil, apprentice, or in a religious context such as the Bible, one who is rather constantly associated with someone's teaching or a particular set of views, a disciple. So I would like for us as a church to contemplate the idea of being a disciple, but then also making disciples. Be one, make one. Be a disciple, make 
disciples. That's exactly what God has commanded us to do. So what are some of the basics of discipleship? Kind of some distinct distinctives. What does discipleship look like from a practical level? It's regular time together with a disciple discipler. That can look like all different. It could be 1v1. It could be one uh, discipler with three or four people. It could be a group. Even on Sunday morning when we gather together, there's discipleship taking place here because we're looking at the word. And so as you have opportunity to gather together with the saints, with other believers, you want to, to do that and make that a priority. And so usually it's weekly that time uh, people would be uh, spend time together, but there are occasional breaks, um, just like in our small group ministries here. They meet together on a regular basis, but occasionally there's breaks. One of the things that discipleship also uh, should be involved is relationships, getting to know one another. That's how you sharpen one another as you get to know each other. So this is in church and out of church, getting together and working together. Here soon, I'm going to be moving and there's going to be an opportunity for guys to, to come together and help us move. And it would be nice to have a lot of people. And as you're moving our stuff, you can stand and talk to each other for a few minutes, but then we got to get right back to work because we got to get moved. But that's coming very soon. I'm so thankful. I mean, living with my mother and father-in-law is great. It's been really good, but I can't wait to have my own house. And so um, as you develop relationships, sometimes those relationships get so personal that you can share confidential things as you build trust in each other in a discipleship relationship. Another thing that should take place in discipleship is sharing biblical knowledge. There should be emphasis on the word when you gather together. And so some of it's life on life. You're kind of sharing like scenarios and things that you went through uh, this past week so that you can pray uh, for each other. Also, another part of discipleship is reproducing. I was at our Christmas um, gathering the other day with our family, and I was just thinking about how the family is just growing. It was two people, my mother and father-in-law, and then they had two kids so then it was two, then it became four, and then there were seven grandkids. All of a sudden it was 13. But now the grandkids are starting to get married. Now it's 19, plus they had a baby, and there's more babies coming. So two people went to four who went to 13. It just was a reproducing process, and that's what should happen in the church, there should be spiritual multiplications, disciples, growing disciples to help the process go. We see that in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Faithful people teaching faithful people. And we see just a process there. So what can happen in discipleship? I mean, just even talking about simple, basic habits of a believer. Like prayer. Spending time in the word. When you come to church, taking notes, just simple stuff like that, faithful attendance, being involved in serving, evangelizing, memorizing scripture. These are disciplines that can be taught, but also modeled. And then they become habits to where those habits, you, you take out the old, like Ephesians 4 say, and you, and you put in the new habits. 
And so a discipler can also show by example. Uh, many things are uh, not only caught, but they also can be taught. So there's things like that going on. So I want to leave you with a couple quotes about discipleship. Discipling others is the process by which a Christian with a life worth emulating commits himself or herself for an extended period of time to a few individuals that are trusted Christ for salvation. The purpose to be to aid and guide their growth to maturity and equip them to reproduce themselves in a third spiritual generation. Another quote on discipleship. Discipleship is an intentional relationship in which we walk alongside other believers in order to encourage, equip, and challenge them in their love to grow more and more like Christ. One of the most effective ways to do this is through example. It involves the equipping of disciples to teach others. So what do we do with this? What is the application here for Oakwood Community Church in the area of discipleship. I want you to think about your spiritual growth. Think about yourself as a discipler or a disciplee. I was a youth pastor for 26 years, and I encouraged our students, even they at age 15, 16, 17, can take someone who is younger spiritually than them and pour into them. I don't know what your age is here today, but you can take the opportunity to take your life and to pour into someone else. Some of it can happen right at your house, right with your family. And so one of the things I want to do is encourage you today, based on the passage in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, it says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What is the next spiritual step that you need to take in the area of discipleship? What is the next spiritual step you need to take as a discipler or even a disciplee? In this passage, it tells us in verse 7, it says, as you take that next spiritual step, it says that you can be rooted and built up in him and established in your faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. Listen to this. In verse 8, it gives a warning. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. See, our culture has lots of ideas out there, and we want to be pursuing what God has for us. So this morning, what is your next spiritual step that you need to take at Oakwood here in the next year in the area of discipleship. Our hope is that you will experience freedom and fulfillment in life as you grow in the knowledge of God's word, as you grow in relationship with Jesus, as you connect into meaningful community with other believers, and that you find ways to serve and make a difference in the lives of others. So take this, take this prayerfully. Think about what your next spiritual step could be in the area of discipleship. Thank you. Yeah. Good stuff.
got the right guy for that task because we want to be a church that our church of disciples making disciples. Make disciples and make disciples and make disciples and make disciples. We're not going to put a big banner up with a new theme called reproduce. That's probably not going to happen. Ross says, you did good. Thank you. Um, that baby was 11 what? what? How many pounds? 11.6. Yeah. He ordered a pizza before he came out. He, was, he came out fully talking. It was incredible. Yeah. It's good. I, I, I like the idea of reproducing. I like the idea of us as a church. Our, our goal is not that you just have a bunch of babies, but our goal is that we go find people, pre-Christians, and give them the gospel, and then they become spiritual babies. And then it's our job. We don't want to leave a baby just laying there on the table. We want to nurture and help that baby grow. Good thing is God cares about that too, and he's all about that. A couple more things. I'm going to ask Jim to come up in just a minute as we cover a couple of uh, other things about on mission. Discipleship is huge. And then uh, connection is another big component. It's better to do life together. The Christian life was not meant to be lived alone. You're not meant to be on an island by yourself. Uh, some people say, I don't need to go to church. I'll, I meet with the Lord out in the woods. Now, if you love the woods, great. Go enjoy that. But that does not give you the right to say, I don't need the church. You need the church. Um, you can't uh, serve the church from a tree stand. You can't give from a tree stand. You can't. There's a lot of things you can't do on your own that the Bible requires us to do and be a part of. So connection is huge. Again, we're so thankful for our new connections team. You're going to be hearing more about that. They, their goal is to help us get to know one another and really be truly a family. As a pastor, I'm not naive. I know that some people struggle to get connected and that's hard. I also know that given five months, if you don't connect, you're probably going to leave. And we don't want that. We don't want you walking in one door and out another door. We don't want a revolving door here at Oakwood. We want you to come in, find fellowship, find connectivity. Now that's going to require a little bit on your part. You can't sit there and say, well, nobody's doing it. Well, you know, you've friendly is as friendly does and friendship is a two-way street and make yourself available and try those kind of things and we will meet you Uh, but we want you to be connected Get in a small group or start one. Uh, we don't want to just have, we don't want to be a church that has small groups. We want to be a church of small groups. I think everybody ought to have a group of people. You can't do it in this large of a group, especially at a church that has to go to two services. You can uh, miss people. You might not even see some people that always come to a different service. But you do need to have a core group of people from Oakwood that you are really doing life on life, as Pastor Ted says. So we really want everyone to be in a small group, which means we need new ones to start. Now, good news is, how do we do this? How do we get started? Uh, You can go to the Oak. That's the first answer for everything, the Oak. We've got two kiosks that are out in the, and somebody has said they're really not kiosks. I don't know what else to call them. They're big wooden things on wheels that we lug around, right? Uh, the Oak is by the front door, and then there's a guest kiosk that we move back and forth. The Oak is everything Oakwood. That's why we call it the Oak. Uh, you can go and just say, I'd I want to be in a small group, and they'll help you. They'll get your name, and they'll take it from there. So you can go to the Oak, or you can use the app. Those of you who are tech-savvy, go to the app. We have a church app. You can do everything from the app. You can give. You can take notes. And if you're on the... How many use the notes on the app? You just you don't have to write anything. You push a little button, and it fills in the blank for you. Pastor Ted said, take notes. Some of y'all need to cheat and just do that. Let's get it done. 
That's all you got to do. There you go. They're all there. And the good thing is, those who are my firstborn overachievers? Come on, raise your hand. When I forget to give you a fill in the blank, oh my goodness, people go crazy. If I don't give you one of the blanks on my message, people are like, they come running up. What's what's point number three underneath? If you're on the app, you don't even need me to give the point. You can just, and it'll go. It'll show right up. So use the app and you don't even need a pastor to know what he's talking about. Uh, And the last part of that is, woohoo, contact Pastor Ted. I love having that new saying in my vocabulary. Contact Pastor Ted. That's your starting point because the oak, uh, the people there are just going to go tell Pastor Ted, hey, so-and-so needs you to follow up. He's going to follow up. If you do something on the app, he's going to get it. He's going to follow up. Contact Pastor Ted. Now, I want to say, in the past couple of years, people have been great starting new small groups, doing the best they can. The elders have kind of been on that as best we can, and new groups have started. But starting today, line drawn in the sand, it all needs to go through Pastor Ted. Um, and he's going to start working with our small groups and strengthening what we're currently doing, and then investing in making new small groups where people can get connected. But please don't just go rogue and do your own thing. Uh, go through Pastor Ted. And we're excited about that connection. Serving. Serving is a huge part. What can I do? The minute you show up at Oakwood, if this is your first Sunday, you just need to stop at the Oak and say, I want to serve and we'll get you serving. One of the best things that people serving can do is serve on our friendship team. There's nothing like a new person that knows what it feels like to be the new person. And so we love to get new people on our friendship team and welcoming people. So we have lots of ministry positions and we will train you uh, from leader to helper will train and equip you for success. Another one of Pastor Ted's job descriptions is our ministries pastor is helping you be equipped for He mentioned that, Ephesians 4. That's our job as pastors to equip you for the works of ministry. So there's lots of ways. Here's my yearly thing where we go through the list. How can I serve? What's available to me? And if you're thinking back when you went through the spiritual gifts test and you remember what your spiritual giftedness is, take a look at this list. Child care, infant through kindergartners, those are the warriors. Those are the ones that go in every Sunday and I don't know what they do. I only, again, I tell people this, I only spent one day serving in the nursery and a kid hit me in the head with a train and I quit. I, I, that's why I decided to be a preacher so I don't ever get assigned to the nursery. I'm busy, can't do that. But those are warriors. We love our child care. At Oakwood, that's upstairs. Those of you who have kids, that's our upstairs. It's the nursery from infant. And then uh, when they graduate over to the other side of that nursery, all the way up to kindergarten. And then there's Sunshine Park for those kindergarten through fifth grade, and they're downstairs at Sunshine Park. By the way, if you see an asterisk after one of these headings, that means there's there's extra steps there. We don't let anybody just walk into our children's ministries. We do a background check, um, a, a full encompassing one that you don't have to pay for. We take care of all that. Uh, but you let us know, you fill out the paperwork, and then uh, after you fill out the application, and we do the background check. If everything's good, we'll get you assigned to those. But we take that seriously at Oakwood. Treehouse Ministry is our uh, six-week throughout the year sessions of family night. And uh, you'll hear about those. 
shows. We'll announce when those six-week sessions are. Treehouse is the children's ministry portion of that night. They go downstairs, and really it's a VBS that happens for six weeks. Um, and, and they're teaching and leading that VBS kind of a program downstairs while the adults meet upstairs for discipleship. So if you can't get in a small group, but you can give us six weeks, that's a step in the right direction. You should make it one of your New Year's resolutions. I'm going to attend a family night and be a part of that training, get some of those um, electives that you could pick from. Student ministries, also again, we're talking about minors here. Anybody under the age of 18, if we're working with them, you've got to fill out the forms and you've got to have a background check before we'll take you into that. Uh, student ministry, six, uh, yeah, 6th through 12th, and we meet on Sunday nights. Women's ministry, one heart, women's ministry. Then there's men's ministry. We need to beef some of these things up, get fully running in these categories. Celebrate Recovery meets every Monday night. Last Monday night, anybody know what that day was? Christmas Day. Guess what? CR was here meeting. What's tomorrow? CR is going to be here meeting. They never take a Monday off. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas or New Year's Day, they're here. And we ought to, as a church, be praying for CR, celebrate recovery. And everybody needs to know that we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And that's what CR is there for. It's not just addictions. Certainly helps with that. But everybody has hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Every Monday night, celebrate recovery. People feeding people. That's a ministry we do on the second Saturday of every month. Um, you can help in that, but we we typically assign small groups or ministries uh, a month where they go that second Saturday, the Warren, uh, Boyn, <laughs> Warren, Boyne, and Deanna uh, both lead our CR and people feeding people. Just kind of raise your hand there. And he's really good if you want to stand on a stool right here and balance. He's sturdy. Yeah, yeah, I love them. They're great. They lead both of those. You can see those if you're interested. Two out of the 12 months are open months where we just let you know you can volunteer. So you don't need to be in a group or in a ministry per se. You can bring your whole family and serve. Uh, we do that at Oxford United Methodist, right? Uh, downtown Oxford. Uh, grief Share. That's a, a program goes 13 weeks or 16 weeks. It's like 16 weeks long. Uh, we did find we got some people willing to lead that again and get that going. And so we'll let you know when we're going to offer one of those grief share. If you've lost somebody and uh, you want to be in a, a group of people that are going through grief and going through loss, great opportunity for you there. SOS stands for Serving Our Savior. We, we hope to have four SOS events every year. It's where we leave this building. We go out in the community and we do something. We've done all sorts of things from uh, helping uh, therapeutic of course, uh, farms get their stuff up and running and cleaned up and painted. And, and we've gone to uh, Oxford High School and helped them there. Uh, we, we do a lot of different opportunities. Recently, the best one is my favorite, is when people from our church see a need and they come to me and say, we need to do this in my neighborhood. And I'm like, let's go do it. And so they gathered the need and they planned it out and then people came and helped and it's wonderful. See a need, meet a need. Serving our Savior four times a year. Still need somebody to step up and be the head of that, uh, something I, I just can't be the head of that and everything else. So we need somebody willing to lead our SOS, get a team going and get that happening four times a year. Our friendship team does our welcoming, uh, and Stephanie Oswald is always looking for helpers in that. Uh, our worship music team. So the people you see playing instruments and singing, I keep hearing, uh, of people that 
have musical talents, uh, that's great. If you do have those talents, let us know. It takes some time uh, to get into that mix. We put out a schedule quarterly, so it doesn't happen overnight. Some people show up at Oakwood and like, I play. Okay, but we can't just throw you on stage. It's going to take some time, so be patient with us. Uh, but then there's also room for worship tech team. Those are those wonderful people in the back, back there, uh, that do the computers and help us get those things going. We'll train you if you have any um, experience in, in computer stuff. It's helpful. We have a video team. The videotapes, our services, puts them out on Facebook. We're on Oxford Television. I think we're on Ortonville Television each week. Uh, those videos that get sent there, and it, we, we love that. Uh, then we have a technology team. Now, that's a church-wide technology. Anybody have any idea how many computers we have in this building? Mark Popolek, how many computers do we have in this building? About 30. Uh, Mark is on our tech team, and he comes in all the time. Mark needs a break. His wife happens to be uh, one of our office workers here at the church, and she keeps telling me, my husband needs a break because he's not doing the work at home. So, supposed to be remodeling something or something. I don't know, Mark, but he's here all the time. Those 30 computers, they want updates. They want to be ready to go on Sunday. We don't just show up and turn them on and hope uh, we're ready ahead of time. And then there's all sorts of things like internet and all those kind of things. If you are in technology, we need your help. Uh, talk to Mark Popolet. Go straight to Mark. Uh, we need more people in the technology field helping us. Safety team. There's an asterisk there. I mentioned this one. It's a big component of what we do, but you, you can't just jump on that team. That's an invitation only, but you can let us know you're interested and they'll follow up with that. Uh, our safety team uh, is currently somebody sitting at a desk watching 20 camera feeds from the parking lot all the way to here, constantly watching for us. Uh, there's people ro- roaming the building right now. Uh, all that's happening and we're thankful for that. It's, uh, it's a necessary thing in an in in evil world, right? So harmless as doves, but as wise as serpents, the Bible talks about. We need them. So if you, if you have that in your back, we love uh, officers that have been trained or former military. Uh, those kind of people are, are already trained in that background and that we can get you and train you on our system here. Cafe team. That's my favorite team. Just offering us the juice from heaven. Uh, that's a great thing. And anybody can do that. We can train you how to make coffee and all these things. And, and uh, we just love our cafe team and, and always being ready for us. We have a cares team. Uh, I love it when somebody's at Oakwood for about six months and they're like, hey, can I start a meals team that delivers meals? Like, we do that. We do it all the time. We need to get you in touch with the people in charge of that. If you're interested in that, let us know because they are tired. They do a lot. We just had a funeral. I don't know if you know that, but... We had a funeral right after Christmas. We provided um, uh, food for 75 people. So it's always happening. We always need help for the CARES team. They also take food to people's homes after surgeries or whatever the need would be there. Now, we only know if you let us know. I really don't like it when people tell us you didn't bring meals and I had my big toe removed and nobody, you know, nobody showed up. Well, if we don't know, nobody told us, we don't know. And so please let the office know when big things happen so we can be praying and also find out if you have needs. Uh, but the CARES team is great. Deacon team, asterisk again, that's an invitation only. But if you have interest in becoming a deacon, maybe we don't know that you're interested, come and talk to us. Our deacons, the word deacons mean to serve, they're serving. So they take care of the outside facility, the inside facility, safety, um, all these kind of issues uh, that we deal with at the church, our benevolent fund and our Oakwood Cares Fund. They, they deal with all of those things. 
our bus. Uh, right now, the, the battery's dying, and so somebody's on that already, making sure we're ready to go to winter camp. So the deacons are servants that oversee the facilities of our church. Then there's the elders. We have a team of, of people that lead our church. I'm not the CEO of the church. I'm, I'm just one of the elders. Uh, we have six currently, and uh, they lead the church and are responsible for those things that we talked about, discipleship. Each elder has a group, a segment of the congregation that they're to look after. So there's all, all those things happening, serving. How do I get involved? Go out, get involved. And where do you get started? Go to the Oak. Go to the Oak, folks. It's a great thing to do. Or you could go on the app and tap some buttons, or you could just see Pastor Ted. Get involved. We want you to be serving, but we'd love for you to be serving in your passion and your strength. So our goals last year, did we achieve anything? Well, yeah, we did. We paid off our loans. Woohoo! Yes! It's a great thing. Um, I'm, I'm not saying loans are awful. Sometimes uh, you hear me saying, I'm just happy that we don't. When I got here, we had 500000 We had a half a million dollars in loans that we had out there. And uh, we accelerated that and got those paid off, I don't know how many years faster uh, by the way we did that. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying loans aren't awful. We might need to take one in the future at some point for things that need to take place. But we're so thankful now that we don't currently have any loans. And we hired a ministries pastor. Woohoo! Done! Big, big thing. Praise the Lord for that. What's our goals moving forward this year? I haven't given up on it, folks. I will not quit. I'm a bulldog when it comes to having a focus. And we are going to start Service Park. Uh, our deacons have specifically been tasked with getting me and the elders some specific bids. We want three bids. And we're going to start with a pavilion, the PB&J Pavilion. That's not peanut butter and jelly. That's Pastor Bob and Janella in honor of, yep, Pastor Bob and Janella. Growing a great family, right? That's our motto. It's part of who we are. It's our DNA. And, and I sat with Pastor Bob the week that he died. And I sat with him in his home. And we talked about things. And I asked him for permission to do Service Park. And when I told him it was a place that had a pavilion where we as a church could gather. But our community could use it. Families could come and use that facility. It's an outreach opportunity. And then I talked about the other components of Service Park, like a children's play ground, a big one, a nice one, and then some sports courts. Bob smiled. I just, I remember, I'll never forget. At first I was afraid he would, he was humble and he didn't want, you know, things named after. That wasn't what he was about. But when I started sharing what service park would be, Bob smiled and he's like, go for it do that. And so we're not going to quit. We're going to, we're on it. We, we have over $50,000 already saved in that fund. And so, uh, I, I doubt that's probably going to be enough to pay for the pavilion. Brian, I don't know, no bid yet. And he's shaking his head. No, it's not enough, but it's probably enough to get started. We can get that going this year. If you look out where we bought the property and uh, the old house is gone. And then there's that barn thingy. See that barn thingy out there between here and, and the road. Well, that's where the pavilion would be. Big slab with a big open pavilion, and one end is just storage. We desperately need storage here at Oakwood. We're lacking in storage space. So that provides those two things. That's the hub of what would be service park. We're going to get that going this year, amen? Let's get that happening. And then let's have uh, Jim come up. Jim, take some time and explain to us where we're at. I'm not, my strength is not finances, and so we'll let somebody who's actually ran businesses and budgets talk to us about money. 
Okay, good morning. I wish I could tell you as I was passionate about this as Pastor Ted is about discipleship, or Pastor Don is about everything, but uh, I'm just going to have to uh, muddle my way through. So um, one of the things we have to talk about every year is giving, of course, and uh, where we are financially, and that is every home, every business has a budget. You project what you're going to bring in and then where your expenses are and how that all, you know, works. And so we do that every year. The elders look at Pastor Don's visions. We talk about all the things that we need to do. And um, we give the finance committee a target. And they go after that and they give us a number and you guys approve it. And so um, as we do those things, um, we have to look at them every quarter. Every quarter we take a look at them as elders to see how are we doing, how are we faring. Are we meeting the needs? Do we need to do anything different? And so this year, um, I guess this is my job, eh? Wrong way. All right, that's the one I wanted first. So um, this year, our monthly budget, based on the uh, numbers that we put together, 57,000 year-to-date budget is 348. You can see these numbers. Looking at the bottom line, um, we are approximately 20% behind on our giving. Uh, and that's not anybody's fault. That's something that we have to look at every year. We pray about this and we put our best effort together to put a number together that we think is going to uh, be the numbers we give based on last year's numbers and what we're doing. So um, approximately last year, we were about 9% behind at this very same time. And so we looked at that and didn't, there was no big, you know, eyebrows raised. We're always behind and we catch up as we go. 20% is a pretty big number. And so we had to look at that as elders. We'll be doing our review in January coming up. But we've already talked about it when we see these kinds of numbers and we ask ourselves what's causing that. Is it a bad economy? Is it an unsure economy? Is it a lack of confidence in our leadership? Is it we didn't have a pastor and Pastor Don was doing everything on his own? I don't know. There's several things that could cause uh, finances to be lower than they normally are. And so we're talking about all those things. We're not dropping it. Um, as we do that, um, we could use feedback. We're taking our best guesses at what these reasons are. And so if you have thoughts, if, if you're looking at the economy, say, hey, I lost my job and everybody I know is hurting. Hey, we need to know that so that we can at least adjust things. And if it's other things, we, lead, we need to know that too. That's the only way we know. Otherwise, we're doing things on our own. Um, whoops, wrong way. Okay, and so this is a, just a, the last six months of our budget. Um, the fiscal year in, at church starts July 1st. And so um, the blue lines are the budgeted numbers for this year. The uh, orange lines are 2021 giving. 2022 uh, giving is in gray. And 2023 giving is in uh, yellow. Not exactly sure that's right. I think I might have got those wrong. I think 2020. Is that right? Okay. All right. So you can see the uh, 2022 giving 
numbers were actually higher than this year's, and we're behind substantially in every category. We're actually closer to our our 2021 numbers um, based on that. Um, last year, even though we were 9% behind at this point in time, we ended up about 2% behind, which that's just about a wash. That's perfect, right? And so that was our um, impetus for going ahead and, and, and going ahead with the new numbers. So uh, this year, we're going to have to take a look at these things. We, uh, we did hire a pastor this year. We... Um, aren't in trouble financially. When you look at these numbers, I know Pastor Ted looked at these numbers and, you know, his eyebrows went up going, oh boy, we're in trouble. Well, we're not. We, for the last six months, the numbers budgeted didn't include, they included an associate pastor and a youth pastor. We haven't paid those bills. So right now, our bank account hasn't suffered at all. But moving forward, I think Pastor Ted probably wants to get paid. We'll have to do something, you know, and so... uh so part of that will be, we're going to look at the giving as we move forward. But at this point in January, the elders will be taking a look and we'll be discussing, you know, some cuts and what do we need to do to um, be fiscally responsible for this. All right. And uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, review that in uh, April when the um, our next quarter review and things will look better. And if they don't, We'll adjust, and we'll adjust for next year. So that's our goal. That's how we do things. Um, again, if there's feedback, uh, talk to one of the elders. Don't talk to Pastor Don. He won't remember. Talk to one of the other elders, and just let us know uh, your thoughts and everything. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate having uh, men that understand these things and really take them serious. And we're not panicked, we're concerned, uh, but we'll be fine. We want to just move forward in a strong way. We've been growing the budget because we're doing more things as a church. More people are coming to Oakwood. We'd love you to invest and be part of us uh, and make, make giving a, a habit that you do every month. And uh, we encourage you. The Bible talks about a tithe. Uh, we're, we're more or less tipping and not tithing. We need to get out of the mentality of tipping the Lord. Uh, we don't want you coming and, and like, well, that was a good one. The music was better today and the preaching was okay. I'll give this much. That is not the way that God talks about our giving. We're to be joyful givers and it's, it's something that you do. Uh, I have taught that uh, tithing is something that was taught in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, it's, it's, it, Tithing is still a thing. God, God required a tithe in the Old Testament, so I don't think he changed who he is, but the, the concept of giving changed when Jesus talked about giving. He talked about giving joyously and, and abundantly. And so is it 10%? And, and what I've encouraged people to consider is maybe it's more than 10% for you. Uh, we don't know what your capability is, uh, but, but obviously God has some standards and we encourage you as a disciple uh, to be living that out. And we thank you for what you do. You, you are a church that helps and gives and we're grateful for you. So our Oakwood Cares offering as of Friday, uh, Melissa lets me know it was $10,500. Now our goal is $20,000 each year. So you can see we've got a little bummer of a theme going on here. We're a little down. Uh, and as Jim said, there might be reasons for that. But we're not upset. Sometimes you don't hit the goal. I will let you know that we have not spent all of Oakwood Cares for the last few years. So we've actually been building up Oakwood Cares as it goes. And we're able to help people. Uh, over 
The last two weeks, we've been able to help a family whose mother was in the hospital having brain surgery. We helped them with some bills and for Christmas, uh, for Christmas presents. And then we had somebody from our town who actually started attending Oakwood uh, nominate somebody from the schools, local schools, a homeless family. that had been homeless since August. And we immediately got on that and paid for uh, some of those things to get them into a home. So because of Oakwood, there's a family that's in a home today that was not since August. Those are things that happen that we don't get to share with you all the time, but this is my opportunity to tell you Oakwood Cares constantly makes a difference in people's lives. You can give to that throughout the year. We just emphasize it once a year in December, and uh, that, that giving will be closed online as of today. I think tomorrow it's no longer available online, but at any time, if you come with a, a marked envelope and, and indicate that, uh, that'd be great. Oakwood Cares does a lot of things. So this morning, I want to wrap things up as quick as I can. Let's be a great family on mission. That's the point of this today. We talked about our mission, who we are. Let's be a great family on mission. So what can I do? Number one, remember. Start this year by remembering the goodness of God. Psalm 105.5, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. God wants us to be a people that remember. We need to be thankful. I hope you don't get to this part of the message and think, oh, it's down, it's bad, they're upset, they're discouraged. We're not. We're not discouraged. We look back and we're thankful. Look what the Lord has done for our church. We're so thankful for who God is and what's been happening here at Oakwood. We always should stop at the end of a year and look back and be grateful. The second thing, real quickly, is refocus. It's an opportunity for us once a year to say, okay, Oakwood, we're still moving forward. We're still inviting people. We're still telling people the good news of the gospel. We're still getting it out there and stretching our our muscles and serving in our community. We've got to keep our focus. What should our focus be? 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The Bible says there that what's of first importance? The gospel. What's the gospel? Jesus Christ died for your sins, rose again, and seated at the right hand of the Father. The beautiful, beautiful gospel of grace. So keep your focus. Uh, if you've got unfocused, sometimes we get self-absorbed and we start thinking of church as something that I need to get from. And I'm not getting this or I'm not getting that. And we get it that kind of focus, that consumerism focus, you'll never be satisfied. You won't have joy. So we refocus. What do we have? We're a growing a great family guided by grace, or uh, grounded in faith, guided by grace, going in love. Let's keep our focus on Jesus Christ and the gospel. And then the last thing is, going into the new year, restart. How many of you need a fresh new start? Anybody need a fresh new start? I love New Year's. It gives us all an opportunity to say, you know what? I need to lose some weight this year. I better start eating right. I don't know about you, but I looked at my wife and I'm like, okay, you know, After the new year, well, we're going to Chicago, so I got to get some deep dish pizza. So after we get back from Chicago, that's what we tend to do. We keep putting it further, further down the road. But I'm like, we got to do it. We've got to, we got to get back on track. It just gives us a natural point to do that. Well, spiritually, I want to challenge you. Press the restart button. Luke 19, 8. 
But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. I think we need a Zacchaeus moment every once in a while. Zacchaeus was so overwhelmed when Jesus stopped and talked to him and offered him grace. He couldn't, he was so overwhelmed that he started changing from the inside out. We need a Zacchaeus moment. So we need to restart. And then I want to take you to 2 Kings. I'm not going to read all of it, but chapter 22 in 2 Kings, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was was Jedidiah's daughter. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign... King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Aziliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hekelah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. Halkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. And the Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple to the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors of the temple. Then Shephan the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the high priest, has given me a book. And Shephan read it from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what it is written in this book that we have, we have found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that was written here concerning us. I love this passage. It's hard to imagine. This is King David's son. He became king at eight and 18 years later, they find a book. It's, it's the word of God. It's the book of the law. It's the Decalogue. Genesis, Exodus, Viticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They find it. Where, where has it been? Why didn't they know about it? And when this king who became king at eight years old, now he's what, 18, time, 18 plus eight, Jim? What, 26? Was that right? Okay, I don't do math. 26. At 26 years old, this king, somebody comes and says, hey, look what we found. And he starts reading it to the king. And the king's like, what? We're not doing any of that stuff. We haven't been doing any of this. We're in trouble. How could it be that they lost it? Where did it get lost? When did they stop looking at it? When did they put it in a back room and totally forgot about it? It's hard to imagine. But here's what I love. Verse 16. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster to this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read. But, verse 19, 
Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declared the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see the disaster that I'm going to bring on this place. Our God is merciful. (laughs) Maybe it's time to hit the restart button. Have you lost this book? It's been a while since you dusted it off and said, I need to get in there and start reading. I need to hear what the Lord says and find out maybe I haven't been doing what the Lord requires. My challenge for us as a church is number one, remember. Number two, refocus. Team, come on up, join me here if you would. Number three, go ahead and hit that restart button. God is gracious. God is merciful to us. He's willing to forgive. That's what I love about our God, and that's what I love about a New Year's. It's an opportunity to say, let me get this right. 